The Amazon Elastic Container Service, or ECS, is the container orchestration system built by AWS. ECS features tight integration with many AWS services and is a powerful choice for running containers in the cloud. We first discussed ECS back in episode three of MobyCast, but so much has changed in the 18 months since then, bringing many major improvements. One new feature is Fargate, which brings the serverless concept to containers. With Fargate, you no longer need to manage servers. You don't pay for idle CPU. And there's the promise of seamless scaling. Sounds perfect, right? Well, as with most things that sound too good to be true, there are some limitations and gotchas. In this episode of MobyCast, John and Chris kick off a three-part series where we dive deep into Fargate. We learn the ins and outs of running containers without managing servers and discuss the trade-offs we make when ditching those servers. Welcome to MobyCast, a show about the techniques and technologies used by the best cloud-native software teams. Each week, your hosts John Christensen and Chris Hickman pick a software concept and dive deep to figure it out. Welcome, Chris. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey, John. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Let's start because we're doing a new series today. We have a little bit of time. We're not deep in the middle of something that we got to jump into right away. So is there anything new going on with you? I am deep in the throes of a bathroom remodel. Oh, so fun. Oh, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I, I took on the task of doing the demo. Mm. That was uh, quite the job for sure. So it was kind of getting rid of the, we had a, a built-in Vanity with double sinks, with a bathtub, shower. So just tearing that all apart, and then once that's done, then fixing some rot in the in the subfloor and moving the drain for the for the for the tub um, to to um, meet what, what the new tub needs to be. Um, so I had to move that drain about four inches. So <laughs> just just a lot a lot of work, um, but it's coming along, and now I've kind of um, handed over the reins to someone else and so they are now kind of uh, taking it from here and so uh, I can now recover a little bit in my body excellent yeah and bathrooms still are mostly (laughs) (laughs) on-prem you know I don't know how that would work um, (laughs) doing a bathroom as a service yep in the cloud Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh yeah I don't have anything new I don't think to say really just Oh, well, it's everyone in Colorado where I am is talking about how today is in the 70s and tomorrow it's supposed to be like 17 and snowing, snowing. So like a 60 degree drop overnight. And that'll be fun. But I'll believe it when I see it. Lately, the like, at least here in Colorado, the, the like, you know, disaster forecasts, uh, have, have been all wind and no real bite. So I'm expecting some wind tomorrow and kind of cool temperatures mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's really really cold here in in seattle it's like it's that wet cold so it's not <laughs> i mean i think you know in the morning it's been the upper 30s and then today i don't think it's gonna get much above like 48 49 but it's a wet cold that's the worst it just feels so much colder the worst yeah. worst especially if it's windy yeah. at all oh get me out of there yeah yeah. All right. So this week we're going to start talking about ECS. And ECS is a service of um, AWS. It's a container orchestration service. And I think I have a question, Chris. If 
somebody is listening who's you know already decided they're going to do Kubernetes or pretty much decided that they're not going to use ECS. Is there any reason for them to listen to this ECS episode? Or and we might even do like a couple episodes on ECS. Is there any reason for them to listen to this, or should they just skip it? Um, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I would I would uh, urge you to to stick around and take a listen, just because I mean. A lot of these um, techniques and just ideas apply to containers in general and just just how you go about uh, scheduling, running, monitoring those those containers in production. So ECS is Amazon's orchestration system for containers. It does support Kubernetes as well. Um, it supports a serverless model, which is what we're really going to dive into today as well as kind of like the original flavor of ECS where you're back in it with a cluster of EC2 instances. Um, so I would say, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be information here that hopefully is, is useful and, inter- and uh, entertaining. That's where you were going. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah if, if we're, if we're not here to educate, we're here to entertain. How's that? <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. So, um, yeah, so, Another thing about this week's episode is that it, we're probably going to refer refer to some things um, about containers and how they work uh, that rely on knowledge from the last series that we just finished up on VMs and containers. So if you haven't listened to that, it, it may be worth at least listening through or reading the transcripts. Just um, just so nothing surprises you when we talk about containers. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely building on that, um, and then. You know, also, you know, we we this is one of the original episodes that we did mm-hmm. with MobyCast, right? This is ep- back way back in episode three of MobyCast. We talked about ECS and, and the basics, um, and so you know, definitely a lot has changed since then, mm-hmm. and um, that's why we're we're kind of circling back to it now. Um, but kind of following that same. Um, that same arc, right? We we started off with containers, you know, containers and virtual machines, and what's the differences between them? And then we kind of quickly went into, okay, now that we know what containers are, how do you actually use them um, in practice? And so we did the episode on ECS, and so now we're kind of doing the same thing where we, we revisited the containers versus VMs. This time, taking a much more um, a much more um, closer look at it. And now we're going to do the same thing with ECS, but also really there's been so much development in this space and so much that's new, like it just, it just really warrants to go back, to go and look at it and see what's happened in 18 months since we last talked about it. Yeah. It reminds me of something that I read recently or saw online. You know, there's a guy named Corey Quinn and he is involved in about 80 to 90% of every conversation that happens about AWS on the internet. (laughs) Um, And he was saying that, uh, somebody asked him, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make in the cloud, specifically with AWS? And and I agreed with his point. One, his main point that he made was that people make the mistake of learning a service and then thinking they know it. You know, Then six months goes by, a year goes by, and they haven't spent time updating their knowledge. Um, and really, they don't know it anymore. After six months to a year, the services typically change significantly. So it's been, you know, like Chris said, uh, what, 17, 16, 17 months since we did the ECS episode. It's not the same ECS anymore. So agree with Corey Quinn on that one. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We talked about this so many times, right? The, the, the pace of innovation is just mm-hmm. accelerating and it's at breakneck speed. So it's yeah. the number of new, you know, just announcements. It's like, I don't know if it's, it's 1500 <laughs> or 2000 announcements a year of, of product announcements just from AWS on what's on what's going on. Right. So yeah. you know, scores uh, of those that relate to things, just a particular um, technology or service like ECS. Um, so yeah, you have to stay on top of it. Otherwise, you you could be an expert in ECS circa 2018, and you can continue using it that way probably for some time. But yeah, I mean, they never really change. It's always backwards compatible. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's yeah. You're you're not getting all the benefits anymore. Great. All right. So uh, let's get into the let's get into the nitty gritty. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so maybe just first, just to kind of frame this, is just kind of do a, a quick recap of what we did talk about in episode three in that kind of just what is ECS, um, kind of like the main components, right? So so again, ECS it stands for the Elastic Container Service. It's the orchestration system for containers provided by AWS. Um, and one of the, you know, there's multiple orchestration systems out there. Again, Kubernetes being one of the, you know, the most popular one out there that, you know, most everyone has heard of, but you know one of the real benefits of of ECS is its deep integration with other Amazon services, right? So if you're in AWS, um, it makes a lot of sense to be looking very hard at ECS if you're running containers on inside Amazon. And so some of the core components in ECS that we'll be talking about are cluster, um, and so this provides a logical grouping for your containers, basically. Um, to be to be grouped together. Um, when we first talked about this, the, the the first go around, the the cluster was actually a physical thing, right? It was actually a collection of EC2 instances, yeah, um, on which your, your containers would run. And so now we're kind of need to change this definition a little yeah. bit and say it, it, it's really a logical grouping because we're gonna throw in the the Fargate launch type now. Um, which is essentially is a serverless model of running, so you don't have to have EC2 instances that that are that you spin up yourself. Instead, you can just say you have access to these virtual resources, if you will, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's a um, the cluster um, again. If you if you're going to be running them on your own EC2s, then those are going to be defined by a launch configuration and auto scale group. And again, that's we kind of talked about that in depth in, in episode three. Um, another key component definition is service. So um, this is this is the um, basically a, a, a description that allows you to run and maintain a, a specified number of containers, um, and it's really for for long running applications. So you you know you may have an API service, a microservice, a you know, web service, some kind of piece of some some sort of code that you want kind of always running. And you want to make sure that you have like X number of instances of it, or you want to be able to scale it up or scale it down based upon load and demand. You want it to be monitored so that if failures happen, um, the scheduler will then go ahead and, and, and see that and replace it. Um, so, so a service is that definition that says that puts uh, puts those characteristics to that of like how you want your containers to be to be managed for you. So, Chris, I'm a little surprised that you decided to mention service before task this time around because um, I guess my the way I've always thought about ECS is a task is a real really easy thing for me to understand. It's like one 
you know, it's like one shot at running a container. Um, the container has a command in it that, you know, that it does. And that's that you, you basically say, Hey, ECS, this, this container and its command, that's a task. I'll give it a name and that's your task. When you run this task, you're going to go execute that container. Um, and then a service is basically saying, do this task kind of always make sure it's always running and you can, you know, have more than one of them running or just one or whatever. But you basically say, turn this task, which may be maybe a node process or something like that, or maybe some Python service or whatever, but it's, it's a task and it's basically saying, keep it going, keep this thing running and maybe scale it. So that, that for, for me, building from task to service was, was easier. Is there a reason you decided to switch orders or, or was it just random? Um, just, I think for me, I'm just, it's just kind of like a hierarchy thing, right? A cluster is at the top. It, a cluster consists of a collection of zero to N services and those services are then a collection of tasks, right? So just from a hierarchy standpoint, and, and at the end of the day, most, most of the time when, when we are using something like ECS, we are thinking in terms of services. Mm-hmm. In addition to servers, there, there are two other ways to run tasks on ECS. You can run them one off, just, hey, here's, I just want to run this task and let it, let it complete and that's it. Or you can um, also uh, have a scheduled task. So you can say, at this certain frequency, I want this thing to be kicked off and run and whatnot, um, which is really just a special case of uh, the run once. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are those are less frequent, right? Usually, when we're when we're thinking about things, it's it's more like in the case of these long running services. Um, so it's like, oh, I need to run my web service. Got it. It's not like I need to run my container or I need to um, run my node task. It's like, no, I I need my my web service and it's going to be it needs to talk. TLS and it needs to connect to this database or whatnot. Well, sorry to, yeah, and and so I'm going to beat this to death, um, just just because um, I think I think for me and, and hopefully for a few listeners, it's like it'll make sense to go the other direction. And the reason it makes sense to go the other direction is because we learned what containers are, and then we learned what they do. They they run you know some command. They're a process, and so. That process will give it a name and tell AWS about it and tell AWS what Docker image it is. And AWS has decided that's a task. And okay, so we get that. That's easy. Um, now if you want to keep that thing running, um, and maybe have, you know, three or four or 300 or 400 of them going at once and always going, um, or, and never less than two of them, say, then that's a service. And then if you actually want to know where those services are running, um, on like what physical computers, um, and as you said, like these days you may not even know what physical computers they are if you're using Fargate. But if you are using EC2 instances, then that's actually a, literally a cluster in the traditional sense of the word, or in the in the new age sense of the word, it's just a logical cluster for Fargate. But like building up from that in that direction just sort of makes sense to me from where we've been to to now. So there and there you go. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's it's again it's just, it's uh, task service they they're all intertwined and um, the truth I mean at the end of the day you kind of have to create your task definition before you create your service anyhow um, type thing so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool cool <laughs> now that we've argued about it hopefully everybody's like oh yeah DCS has tasks and services and clusters yes next. Yeah, and so you know, so those are the kind of like the main the main components we talked about um, back there in episode three, and then we also kind of walk through just a simple deployment, like how do you actually 
do this. And so we talked about how, you know, you first you're going to create your Docker image, then you're going to publish that image to some to some repository, whether it be Docker Hub or use um, AWS's repository, which is called um, ECR, Elastic Container Registry Repository. And then once that's that image is now published as an artifact, you then would create your your task definition revision to say, hey, I now want my task to use this new version of the image instead of the previous one. And then after that, I would then update the ECS service to use that new task definition version, right? And so that was the simple simple case of just really like how do you deploy on ECS? And that's what we were able to cover in that first episode. I, I just there was a little bit of mixing in what you were just saying that I wanted to kind of tease out uh, just to make sure that we're we're real specific. You know, deployment. That, I guess what you were talking about would be a deployment where you had already done a, a deployment and you were doing an update because you had mentioned you know you wanted to use a new a new ID or a new instant or a new image uh, as opposed to just you know hey use this image like uh, on the very first deployment um, you'll be picking your Docker image and saying, this is the thing I want to use for my task. And not until you update it, will you be changing that? Yeah. You might not even realize you said that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to Yeah, the, it's, it's a bootstrap thing, right? In, in order to, um, to talk about the case where you're doing it for the first time, you're actually building up everything, right? You're actually going and creating the ECS service itself and and uh, mm-hmm. specifying all those parameters and then giving it the task definition and then it's just so there's that bootstrap process and then after that you don't have to do that anymore mm-hmm. now deployment is build your new image publish it make your new task definition that is referring to the new image and then you just update your service there we go cool. so, that, so that's kind of the just the kind of like the more common thing that folks are going to do the steady state because you don't you're not doing that that one-off right um, process of of creating the doing the bootstrap so in like 10 minutes we just easily breezed through ecs it's such a you know fun little service happy little clouds happy little trees but i have to say that I was watching somebody whose whose title was chief architect over in another Slack that I'm involved in, um, doing what we just did on his own. And um, you know, I watched I watched the questions come in, like, "How do you do this? How do you do that? What about my Terraform? What about this? I don't understand why this isn't working with these roles." What did you say? What is that about? Um, you know, auto scale group, like, and and just so many questions, and it really took. A couple of weeks of questions before before it was pretty clear that he had you know got his first um, production instance up. And I guess I say that just because uh, this stuff this stuff is hard. Like there's a lot of choices to make. There's a lot of things that are really opaque in the AWS console. And then if you're terraforming it or using CloudFormation, um, that too is something to learn. Like how do you refer to you know how do you refer to an auto scale group or launch configuration in CloudFormation? Uh, is that inside your ECS area or is it outside of it? Like, there's just so much here. So that bre- easy, easy peasy, breezy ten minutes of this is the high level ECS is is like I think actually would have helped that person would help anybody that's about to do what that person was just doing. Like, I, I feel bad. I was like during the time that he was struggling with it, I, I knew we were going to do these, and I knew it was going to be too little, too late. So I didn't even mention it. I didn't want him to feel bad. Like, oh. Because you know he's got a schedule, he's got to meet. He can't wait for us to release uh, MobyCast like six weeks after I tell him it's coming. Um, but yeah, this would have helped him, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and so, yeah, so yeah, and we kind of talked about like the the general um, outline of ECS and just how to go and you know create a service and and deploy it and whatnot, and and kind of breezed over it in about ten minutes. But like as you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of ground there that's 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 covered, and um, that's just like if you talk about like the surface area of what ECS touches, I mean, we probably that covers maybe. 30% of the, of the entire surface area. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're like, and in a way, rightly so. Right. Cause I mean, we've, we've talked about how like containers are really important now to a, to a modern cloud native software development and, and running these, um, your, your applications, your code in production. And you, you have to have, you know, the reliability, you have to have the scalability, you know, I mean, everything we talked about when we, we, we went through the well-architected framework, right? I mean, that's all required of it. And so there's all these other pieces that are around that core of ECS to, to support that. And again, you know, lots of innovation happened here, lots of, of updates. I mean, again, just to name a few things that have happened over the past, you know, 18 months. So Fargate, which is the serverless, um, way of dealing with ECS uh, containers. There's task networking, um, which is a pretty cool advanced uh, networking technology from, from, from AWS that we're going to get into. We'll touch on today, but we'll, we'll dive deep into it in a later episode, I think, because it's just, it's so meaty and it's so interesting. There's things like container insights, which is like just really robust system of, of metrics to give you some great observability of what's, what's going on in your containers. Love that telemetry. <laughs> Love that telemetry. <laughs> and um, service discovery uh, and its integration with CloudMap is another big big feature um, that it's almost like, again, it's just, just keep rolling this stuff out. And so um, just service discovery in the past typically has been very, very difficult for microservices. And now with ECS, it's just, you you just have to check a top box for the most part. Um, And it just, it's all set up and and works for you with registration and deregistration with health checks. Um, And, you know, all you have to do is just decide that you want to use those namespaces um, in your applications as opposed to going through a load balancer or whatnot. So it's like the matrix. It's like it's like at AWS they have this this infinitely tall building full of little pods and each pod has a developer in it, a uh, faceless developer, <laughs> um, just deploying every five minutes a new new feature to AWS just infinitely. So I mean I've been looking at this stuff pretty pretty deep, um, and that's the one thing that that I keep coming back to is just the appreciation for how much software they've built. Uh huh. Is when you start thinking about like all all these even just like the, even the little features. Sometimes you start thinking about like, well, how would you implement that? Like, what's behind it? And you just start to really get this just really immense appreciation for there is a lot of software behind behind this stuff and i mean <laughs> this is millions of lines of code yeah um this is why amazon is hiring like mad and why the other cloud providers are hiring like mad as well i mean right. it's just these are very complicated sophisticated systems that um, there's just so much work behind them so and we get to benefit right because it's again it's the, it's the undifferentiated heavy lifting that we don't have to do and allows us to focus on our value add and, and that core 
core competence that we're bringing to the table, whatever that, whatever business we may be in. Right. All right. So let's continue. Um, I guess we're going to go into uh, running container or yeah, we're going to talk about running the containers now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about there's, so there's all this new stuff um, that that's, that's been launched um, with ECS again in the past year and a half. There's um, areas that we could go much deeper into that are kind of like more the, um, they're kind of like the less well understood areas and it's beneficial to kind of really understand what those mean instead of just kind of glossing over. So things like, you know, networking mode, um, things like placement, like how does placement work with, um, with placement constraints and placement strategies and how does the scheduler work and whatnot. So we got to pick something to talk about and keep it relatively, um, confined. So today let's, let's talk about Fargate. Okay. We can focus on today, and, and I think it's going to provide a good, a good, um, base for us to start branching out into some of those other areas that we, that we that we that we've mentioned as well. Well, I guess maybe before we talk about Fargate specifically, and we've kind of already touched on this. So we're using ECS to run our containers. There's really three different ways to run a container, right? You can run it as a as a long running task, which essentially that's the ECS service that we talked about, um, and that involves the service scheduler. Usually, you're integrating that in with a with a load balancer as well mm-hmm. um, to front the traffic. Usually, yeah, like web traffic or something like that. Right. Yep. Exactly. You can also use ECS to run a single task, um, one-off, and then you can also use ECS to have a scheduled task that runs periodically. And so, so today and for the rest, we're going to be focusing again on that 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 typical use, the, the more typical use case of just an ECS service. Long-running tasks. Just quick examples. Single task might be what a migration, and a scheduled task might be like an ETL. Sure. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So, so we're going to focus on services, um, these long-running tasks. And so, one of the first things that we're going to have to do when we, when we create one of these these tasks is decide what type, what what's our launch type. And so, there's two launch types supported by ECS. One is EC2, and again, this is what we've talked about in the past, where you're running your containers on a cluster of EC2 machines that you manage. Mm-hmm. Or the other new launch, then the new the newer launch type is Fargate, and Fargate basically is. You're you're now going to be running your containers on machines that are managed for you by AWS, and so this is essentially the serverless version of ECS. And so, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into Fargate and just talk about what that is and how it works and benefits. Do and we'll also talk a little bit about just pricing because um, this was this is one of the things that was a bit, bit off putting when it first came out. Um, and, uh, then we can also talk a little bit about like, how do you actually migrate a container that's running on an EC2 launch type to the Fargate launch type and what's involved there? You know, I don't really think about AWS names that often, but, um, Fargate is cool. It's like, is it the coolest name of anything in AWS? It might be because it sounds like Stargate, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a cool one. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think unusually it is, it's, you know, there's, um, Definitely the um, typical formula is to have an acronym, mm-hmm. right? And we have lots and lots of, of acronyms out there <laughs> with, with stuff. So, um, so I, you know, that's one of the that's just one of the differences right there, right? It's not an acronym, yeah. And so that kind of makes it stand out um, alone. But and I, yeah, I mean, for it, it definitely, you know, definitely um, one of the ones that uh, is a, is a cooler name, Athena. I kind of I, I think that's a that's a cool one as well. Yeah, Cloud9 too, but that was purchased. That that was not AWS choice. Yep. Yeah. 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 
All right. So, um, so yeah, so Fargate, it was announced at reInvent in 2017. I remember being there, um, at reInvent. Um, and, and, uh, this was one of the 18 major product announcements I think they had <laughs> that they rolled out. It's like, they're like, Oh yeah. And by the way, Fargate, you can now run your containers, um, you know, in a serverless. Uh, it's like, and then could only spend like 30 seconds on that. And then, Oh, EKS. And right. so it was just, it was, and then it was just, and all the, yeah, it was just kind of crazy, but, um, it's been generally available since 2018. And so, so what is it? So again, it's, this is the serverless version of ECS where it's allowing you to run your containers without having, without you having to manage the servers or clusters of, of EC2s yourselves. Um, so you don't need to choose server types. You don't need to decide when to scale your clusters. Um, you don't have to think about how to optimize cluster packing. Um, this is something we might be talking a bit more in the, in the, in the future is, is, is the concept of bin packing, mm-hmm. um, where you're trying to get the, the best utilization of, of resources off your machines by finding um, spots of, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of like um, you're trying to, you're just trying to pack as densely as you can on a particular machine instead of like, so if you could use two machines instead of three by intelligently packing your task onto those machines, then you're going to be better off, right? You're going mm-hmm. to cut your cost by 50%, right? So you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that stuff with, with, with Fargate, right? Because it's, it's no longer your problem. That's, that's AWS's problem. I guess a quick question. One of the things you mentioned is that you don't have to worry about the instance type that it chooses, um, but it, it's going to use some flavor of AWS Linux, I assume, so that if you need to install something like FFmpeg or ImageMagick or whatever, you can pre-compile that into your Docker image and know that it's going to run. Whatever you need has to be inside your your image, your container image, inside your Docker file, mm-hmm. right? So they don't officially even tell you necessarily what what operating system they're running. Um, it's probably Amazon Linux One, I believe. Uh huh. But they do uh, identify it. It's its own platform, so you can think of it as like Fargate OS, um, mm-hmm. and you get to choose which platform version you want to be running on, and they. As they make improvements, right, they'll say, oh, now in version 1.3 of Fargate, you know, you have this capability or now, now integrates in with Secrets Manager or whatnot. There's no, no guarantees or assumptions necessarily on what the specific operating system is. Hmm, maybe I'm missing something from our previous series. I'm sorry to sidetrack us, but I just mentioned two packages, FFmpeg and ImageMagick, that need to be compiled. I guess you could wait and compile them as part of spinning up your container, but that would be awfully slow. Um, you'd probably be better off in most cases with things like that to actually pre-compile them into your image, but those two packages I mentioned do depend on the operating system that they run on. So, you know, you can't necessarily compile them for Red Hat and then have them run on Ubuntu, right? Like, you got to compile them on the right thing. So... Right. So I guess what I was just saying is, can you trust and do that? Can you put a pre-compiled piece of, you know, binary on in your, in your um, image and know that it's going to work? Well, I mean, the one thing that, you know, for sure is that it's, it's it is Linux, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the Linux kernel, but after that, all bets are off. Right. And so kind of touched on this a little bit with, 
with containers and like when we think about we're running different operating systems and containers when we say like Red Hat versus CentOS versus Fedora or whatnot. I mean, all of those share the common Linux kernel, uh-huh. right? That's that's there. Like that's the same core piece of code that's there. And so when you compile something and you're you're relying on things like syscalls and whatnot and the core libraries for the Linux kernel, that's going to be there, right? Because that's it gets it actually gets a little bit more complicated with um, with Fargate because Fargate is actually um, well your containers are running by themselves inside a VM, um, which is a little bit different um, as well. Although for the most part everything still still applies to what we're talking about with the um, of how the container actually is 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 using it's it's sharing a kernel but in the fargate world it's not sharing it with anyone else okay Um, it has its own it has its own right so so at at the end i mean again i mean you you should be fine um Mm -hmm. compiling that and because because when you compile it you're going to be doing it for a particular architecture right you're Mm going to be compiling against like linux and arm um so so that will be you know something that needs to take into account like what's the the processor architecture so i don't know the specifics there like if there's a guarantee like it's always going to be like on you know intel or amd or or whatever right right you don't get control over that with 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 um with fargate right so um with fargate you basically the way that you kind of specify what hardware you're running on is by just saying this is how many virtual cpu units i want and this is how many how much memory i want okay and then it's up to it's up to Fargate to figure out like what you actually get get put on. Okay, uh, that that's really interesting. I'm I'm guessing there may be some limitations. There might be certain packages that are particularly sensitive to what they run on that you might have a hard time getting running on Fargate. But yep, yeah. mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. Kind of kind of similar to um, with with Lambda, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, so, and in and, and another thing with with um, Fargate um, to kind of keep in mind is you do have complete control over your task placement to be within your own VPC. And this we'll get into this a little bit more, but at the end of the day, your Fargate containers are going to be running inside the VPC that you choose, and so it's it's literally running inside your VPC. But all that underlying infrastructure that's going to be managed by Fargate, not by you. Okay. So kind of interesting. So yeah. like, um, just again, you know, some, a lot of times like these services, they're running outside of our VPC. Um, and so we have, there's considerations there. Um, Fargate itself is, is going to be running inside our VPC. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to ask you a favor. Would you mind contributing to our boat fund? It's that we've always wanted a boat and we need money from you in order to get one. But seriously, it takes quite a bit of time and effort to produce MobyCast every week. And we do have some small sponsors, but nothing really speaks to us like getting support from our actual listeners. So if you wouldn't mind, go to glow.fm slash MobyCast real quick. And it only takes 30 seconds and just contribute. Um, You can subscribe for $5 a month or $10 a month or whatever uh, floats your boat or hopefully soon to be our boat. Anyway, if you give us five bucks a month, we'll send you a sticker. And if you give us 10 bucks a month, we'll send you a t shirt. So, looking forward to seeing those subscriptions cruise on in. And now back to the show. 
Um, so benefits, um, you know, what are the benefits? So what, why would you, why would you use Fargate? Well, why I mean, wouldn't one, you? <laughs> well, there's, there's, a, there, so there's good reasons for, for using it. Yeah. And then there's, there's reasons why you really like, maybe you shouldn't use it. Sure. Um, and so, so some, you know, you have no clusters to manage, right? So that, that overhead is gone. Mm-hmm. And we, we've touched on this in the past as well, though. It's like, well, is how much of a feature is that really like how much time do you actually spend, um, you know, dealing with your, your clusters and, um, if you spend as much time keeping on top of AWS as Chris, then you don't spend very much time updating those clusters. You're like, it's just yeah. like muscle memory. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's an hour every quarter, um, probably spent on, on cluster maintenance, if that, but for some people, I mean, for some people, <laughs> for mere for mere mortals, uh, you know, this this may be a benefit. Yes, it is, definitely is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, some, you know, seamless scaling um, is is an, is kind of another benefit. So again, you don't have to manage these clusters and, and wait for for EC2s to spin up or whatnot. Um, that's now um, Fargate's problem and. And you can let them deal with that. And they're super optimized to be able to do that. Maybe faster than you know, like if you were to if you were to you know bang your head as hard as possible against scaling up and down EC2s as fast as you could, you probably couldn't do it faster than Fargate. No, no, yes, because they're not actually spinning up EC2s. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but we'll we'll get into that. Secret of the pros. Yeah, and then you know another real. A really big, strong benefit of Fargate is that you're only you only pay for when you're actually running task, right? and this is definitely one of the big benefits of serverless in general, right? right. It's like you're only pay, you're not paying for idle resources. So, Chris, the system is down, and your response is, "Hey, but it's free right now." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look at the bright side. Yes. No charge. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, this makes, I mean, this is like perfect for things like batch jobs, cron jobs, um, other Mm -hmm. on and off workloads Mm -hmm. uh, where you're, where you don't need it 24 seven. Like if, if you have work that really doesn't have that kind of like, Hey, it needs to be up 24 seven. It just runs sporadically. Then something like Fargate makes so much sense. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to maintaining a cluster of EC2s that are running 24 seven. Right. Um, and so you're, you're paying for them for each, each hour that they're, you know, for each, each minute or se- each second that they're up, you're paying for that. But with Fargate, you're only paying when you're, when your tasks are running. So that's definitely, uh, you know, it can depending on your workload. That can be a really huge benefit. Cool. Yeah. So let's get into some of the, the specifics, um, about Fargate and just how it works. One thing to keep in mind is that each Fargate task, it has its own isolation boundary. And so we kind of talked about this a little bit um, before, but it is not sharing the underlying kernel, CPU resources, memory resources, or networking with other containers. So it has its own. And so this is, this is done um, basically, but essentially what's happening is that your container is being spun up inside of its own VM. Right, right. Yeah, and this is definitely different than, EC, than using EC2. Uh, when you're using EC2 cluster, you definitely have multiple containers in the same, you know, VM. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, especially if you're running more than one container, yeah, um, you, you, know, you you absolutely are right. So each one of those instances in your cluster is a VM, and then you're typically running more than one container on each one of those 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 EC2 instances. This could cut down on the types of errors. One of the types of errors that we talked about in a previous episode of like kind of using up space on an instance, kind of and being surprised about it because it was some. You know, it was like the the EC2 agent or something that was running running up disk space, and you weren't paying attention. Like Fargate may not suffer from that same type of issue. It doesn't because you basically don't like it's. That's something that kind of goes away with Fargate. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Right? Is 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 disk? Mm-hmm. Um, so you you do have access to to there is some access to to volumes and disk, but. Nothing that's shared, right, on the host itself, right? Because that's something you just don't have access to with Fargate, right? So it'd really be only so it's very very limited cases, right? And so definitely, um, this gets into some some special considerations for like you know what it means to to run your workload in something like Fargate, um, and this is one of the one of those key differences that you mm-hmm. have to think about, like especially like logs, right? If you're writing your logs to files. Well, that's not going to work so right. well um, in Fargate. Point for Fargate, though, on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise it would be, you know, be kind of a. I can't. I mean, think then all those those headaches would be on would be on them, um, mm-hmm. right? Like managing things like you know we could just write into disk space and. So each 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 one of these containers is going to be running inside its own VM. Um, turns out, it's using the Firecracker. Technology from from Amazon. So Firecracker is is Amazon's uh, lightweight virtual machine technology. So it 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 is a virtual machine, um, but it's this new category called micro VMs, where they're extremely lightweight. They they can launch very very quickly. Like in the, um, I believe it's in the sub second time frame. And they can they can run thousands of these things on a single bare metal server. So very optimized. Um, we again in the future we may go into this, have have a whole episode just to go into this whole because this is an emerging trend. This is like the I, yeah we were just asked about this on LinkedIn today, Chris. Somebody was asking, okay. oh, are we gonna do we go into micro VMs on our mm-hmm. containers versus VMs uh, series?" And I was like, "No, sorry, we didn't have time to get into it in just four episodes." So here it is coming up again yeah. today. We yeah. will get into it, but you know, we only have about ten minutes left. We can't do it today, um, yeah. so yeah. we'll just leave it at lightweight VM. Yeah, and uh, that also actually because it, so I think Fargate didn't start off necessarily with Firecracker. Um, they introduced this in early 2019, so earlier, like back in January of this year. Um, and led to much better efficiency. So just that alone, that allowed them to have a, an approximately a fifty percent price cut um, on the Fargate ah, service, which was, which was huge. Yeah, that's yeah huge. which was huge, right? So, um, so that's you can kind of expect that that trend, I think, to to continue because um, in a can, you know out of the gate, Fargate was. Pretty interesting. Everyone was like, "Wow, this is really you know serverless." It's, it's, you know, the buzzwords are there. It's like, "Oh, I can run my containers and and serverless." Like, this sounds great. But then if you look at the pricing, it's like, "Wow, it's this is quite a bit more expensive than if I just run it on my own EC2s." Um, so, 
price cut definitely helps in that direction. It's still more expensive. Um, and we'll talk about maybe that a little bit and kind of go through an example for pricing, but something to keep in mind. Something else, so, so another aspect of Fargate is that your task, they must be launched into a cluster, right? So you're going to need to define a cluster um, inside ECS. Um, and that cluster is going to be basically the logical infrastructure and permissions boundary for for isolating your groups of of tasks. They should have switched the word from cluster to namespace because that's essentially what it becomes. Then, right? It's a namespace, more it, or less. I mean, that that's 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 for yeah. I mean, this is you know when they when they first launched it, cluster made a lot of sense because it was backed by a cluster of EC2 instances. And then when they roll out Fargate, it's like, okay, how does that fit into it? And so this is this is the way they did it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the interesting thing though is that clusters you can they support running both EC2 and Fargate launch types, so you can mix and match in a particular cluster. Huh. Um, which again kind of goes to the whole like this is a namespace. Sure. Thing, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'll you you do have that choice. Um, and maybe just quickly talking about the the types of choices that you have with with clusters. So there's there's basically three types of ECS cluster that you can choose. One is going to be the the one that we we typically use, which is the EC2 Linux plus networking. And so really, what this is is this the um, it's the the networking support that you need. So VPC subnets. Uh, then also, it's going to be creating an auto scaling group with the the ECS optimized Linux AMI for that. So, um, so you have your cluster of EC2 instances. It's running and it's in your, and you've specified the networking. So that's one cluster type. Another one would be analogous to that, but for the Windows world. So it's using a Windows AMI mm-hmm. for that for that auto scaling group. And then the third one is just a networking only cluster. So you can actually create a cluster. To, you don't have to define any. There's no. There's gonna, not going to be an auto scaling group associated with it whatsoever. It's just the the VPC and the subnets, um, just the networking only, um, and that would be um, a cluster that obviously you could only run the Fargate launch type in. You wouldn't uh, okay. be able to run the the EC2 launch type. Right? Okay. So those are the those are going to be the three choices when you create your cluster. So again, you can run those those Fargate um, Fargate tasks in either one of those. Um, those types either inside a cluster that's backed by EC2 instances or one that's networking only. Okay. Um, another biggie with Fargate is that the tasks require uh, AWS VPC network mode. And so this is, it's also called task networking. Um, but this is, so when you, when you have a, a task, um, a container running in, in ECS, you're going to specify what what networking mode it should use, and so the default choice is going to be bridge, um, and that's usually I think what what most people choose just because it works. They don't really need to you don't need to know too much about it, and it's the default. Things are just going to work the way that you you expect. There's a couple other choices though that ECS offers, and one of them is this AWS VPC network mode. Fargate requires this, um, and so the reason why. Is because AWS VPC network mode. What what that does is it attaches a network interface 
to the task itself. Okay. And this is the, the mechanism by which Fargate is wiring up your task into your VPC, mm-hmm. right? Is, is through this, this ENI. So you're going to be, so each, each of your tasks that are running in Fargate are going to have their own ENI, so elastic network interface. Yep. And so with that, you're going to have to specify one or more subnets and then also one or more security groups. There's a lot of benefits that go with, with, with this, this networking mode. You're going to get, and so the much better performance um, essentially is, 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 is one of the big benefits. And then you're also getting much more granular level of, of access. So, so there's a lot of great security uh, benefits to this. And then you also have a lot of um, more visibility into just audit capabilities as well. So you can, you can have things like CloudTrail logs associated to the, to the ENI mm-hmm. and get really, really fine level access to it. So, so a lot of really great things about this. You can, you can use this same networking mode with the EC2 launch type, but it gets, a little, it gets to be a little bit trickier because there's, there's considerations with how many ENIs you can actually attach to a single EC2. Um, yeah, so. let me see if I can say what I think is the case as simply as I can, and then you can tell me if I'm just way off base. It would seem to me that with this AWS VPC networking mode, that every single task starts to look like its own computer on your little network, your little you know private network that you, you're running. And so it's easy to see what everything's doing and talk to everything, every single task is its own computer, basically. Um, and if you were, and you can, and using that in EC2 uh, launch type, you know, same benefit. But that if you use bridge networking, while everything does have a way of, you know, everything does have a network address, I guess the thing, the tasks behind the EC2, so if you have several containers running, they're essentially, they look like they're, they're in, um, you know, their own private subnet that you can't really address or see. Through, like you can only talk to the EC2 and, and the tasks behind that are kind of dependent on that one network interface. So you have less visibility to the individual tasks. Is that close? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can uh, maybe in, another way to think about it is just in, uh, in that bridge mode example, you can think of it as all your networking is being proxied. Mm-hmm. And so something is, is doing the multiplexing, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just one, it's basically a single network interface. Network interface, yeah. For however many containers you have running, right. and all of their traffic has to go over through that one interface, right? And so something has to kind of manage that. And there's going to be some, there's performance implications to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus, and, and also some just design considerations, right? There's no way to, you, to, I mean, how do you actually connect to one of those things behind the multiplexer? Um, you can't do it just based upon the IP address of the of the network interface card, right? You have to use that plus some other additional information like port. Right. And this gets into like you know why we have issues with like port naming collisions and, and, and stuff. things like yeah, and, dyna- and why we have features like dynamic ports and, and whatnot, right? So versus with with task networking with a- um, AWS VPC networking um, mode, you can think of it as an, you no longer have to share that network interface, right? It's just each one of those containers is essentially getting its own network interface card. They don't need to share with with anyone else. It's going to have they each have their own IP address, um, so it becomes much easier to to communicate to those 
those things, you don't have to worry so much more about ports either, right? Because your ports now only have to be unique per task. They don't have to be unique on the entire instance on which they're, they're running, right? So, and remember, task, the way that um, AWS ECS defines that a task is a collection of one or more containers. Mm, mm-hmm. All right, so we can actually run multiple containers inside a single task. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we do that, then each one of those, they will all be sharing that same ENI, right? If we have more than one container defined in our task. But typically we usually have, it's, it's a one-to-one mapping uh-huh. where a task has a single container in it. Interesting. So, so Chris, we've kind of, we're kind of running up against the time that we have, and we have, I think, more than we can get through. Um, and just, I want to think about our listeners and what, what would be the best way to end this. Because I, I know, for, for example, I know that we want to get more into what we were just talking about in a future episode, uh, more into like how this ECS networking works and how container networking in general works. So we, that little side trip is like going to blow out into its own whole thing. But yeah, is there anything else you want to try to squeeze in in one or two minutes or should we kind of round it out and, and, you know, maybe give everybody a preview of what's coming in the next episode? Let's, let's round it out with a few more details um, and then quickly run through some like pricing um, information because it, it's, it's kind of interesting. And then after that, we can, um, we'll kind of wrap up and, and, and kind of maybe save the uh, discussion of like, okay, how do you actually, what's the practical steps of migrating a container from an EC2 launch type to a Fargate launch type? Okay. Yeah. So with that, um, some, some other things with, with, with Fargate task is you're going to be specifying the CPU and memory at the task level, not at the container level. So again, this is something we, we typically do it at the container level. Now we're going to pop up again at, to, to that task level because that's how Fargate is looking at things, right? It's, it's, it's dealing with things at the task level, not at the container level. Whatever we specify as a CPU and memory con, um, uh, considerations for that at the task level, that's how we're going to be charged as well. That's, that's what's going to determine how much it costs. Um, AWS is going to charge us for running the, our, our, our containers. Logging is something to really think about here as well. So um, Fargate supports two log drivers. One is AWS logs and the other one is Splunk, which is, which is rather new. So it's, it supports one third-party vendor in Splunk. Otherwise, AWS logs, which basically is sending your logs to CloudWatch logs. So okay. if we want to integrate with, 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 with other log services, we've got some work to do. And so that's something definitely to consider. But with CloudWatch logs, can we use the, like, isn't there a CloudWatch thing that lets us basically um, grab standard out and then fork it off to some other thing? Um, you, well, that's how, that's how CloudWatch logs work, right? It's, it's, it's capturing stuff that's being sent to standard out, standard error, mm-hmm. um, and then that, that from your container, and then that goes over to CloudWatch. And so now that's your CloudWatch logs. And then now if you need to get your CloudWatch logs somewhere else, you have to have some other solution for okay. how do they get from there to somewhere else, whether it be Logly or Sumo Logic or, right, or right. Datadog or, or whatever it may be, right? Cool. And then there's going to be some um, also some IAM role considerations that you're going to have to do with, with Fargate. So it's going to need, because it's, it's, it's doing, it needs a, to, to um, do a bunch of actions on, on your behalf, things like it has to attach an ENI to an instance, right? So it needs permissions. Um, so it's, it's going to need some, some IAM roles and, and permissions and you're also going to have to take advantage, um, start using 
a task execution role, the ECS tax task execution role, mm-hmm. which we typically haven't had a need to use when we're running on the EC2 launch type. But with Fargate, we will. Um, if we're going to be pushing our logs to CloudWatch or if we're going to be pulling images from ECR, since both those are, are credentialed AWS services, it's going to need the credentials to, to do that, right? And so the way you do that is by, is by specifying an IAM role that is the, the task execution role that it can use. So those are some of the, the specifics of Fargate that um, kind of make it different from the, from the EC2 launch type. Um, and that will kind of dictate like what changes you know you would need to make or take into account, or what kind of workloads that you can you can use from a from a pricing standpoint. Like we talked about, um, pricing is going to be based upon the amount of CPU and memory that you use. Um, you're charged by the second, and with a minimum charge of one minute. So very very granular. You know, just like with everything else, pricing is based on you know a per region and whatnot. But you know, I went through and did a a quick calculation of like a you know i have my own personal blog server it's currently running on a t2 micro um, ec2 um, using ecs um, running in the u.s west 2 region and so t2 micro um, has one vcpu and has a gig a gig a gig of memory and that ends up costing me about eight eight dollars and 35 cents a month to run Um, on fargate if I go for the the smallest CPU and memory choices, which is a quarter vCPU and a half a gig of memory, that ends up costing about $8.89 a month for that. So, so running my personal blog on Fargate, as is, it's going to be a little bit more expensive per month. But also keep in mind that that's on my the, the T2 micro that I'm paying for, I could. I'm getting basically at least twice as much out, um, capacity, so I could run two websites mm-hmm. for the same price, right? So, and so kind of in that way, you can like think of this as like, like Fargate is probably about twice as much as 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 straight EC2. Um, and then if I were to go with convert my site over to use like a T3 Nano, which is two two vCPUs but only a half gig of memory kind of getting closer to like what the Fargate is from a memory standpoint, although it's still much greater um, CPU power, that ends up costing me $3.74 a month. So now it's, it's, it's even more extreme. So again, the, the net net is that for 24 by 7 task, Fargate's probably going to be quite a bit more expensive than running your own EC2s. And that's why... You know, but if you have workload that's not running constantly, that's not running twenty four by seven, where you do have idle CPU, you know, that's just sitting there, then that's those are the kind of jobs that make sense to run on Fargate. Right, and then also, what's the what's the cost plus opportunity cost of having somebody that's able to quickly go and you know maintain an EC two cluster, like mm-hmm. make sure that they've got the latest AMI and update the launch configuration with that and all that other stuff that you might have to do. Some people can do that in half an hour. Some people, it might take them all day. Yeah. There's an opportunity cost for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like in this case, it's like, hey, it's like $8.89 a month for Fargate versus $8.35 a month for EC2, but I had to go create the cluster and you know figure all that stuff out. 
I mean, for most people, it's going to be a no-brainer. It's like sixty cents more a month, um, <laughs> right? You know, and I have to deal with that, and I and it saves me even if even if it just saves me like eight hours of work. You know, you may say like that's a no-brainer. Yeah, that's a year's worth of of uh, runtime. Um, yeah, I, I guess I did have another question. You were saying that that things are, you know, you size things at the task level, and I just want to make sure that I understand that. So. Are, like even if you size up pretty big, so say you had a, you know, an EC2 backed ECS cluster, um, and you wanted to, you knew that it was going to take like ten machines, right? You, you need ten kind of mid-sized machines in order to handle all the traffic. You would specify the number, you know, you might specify something that that would tell you the number of EC2 instances. Uh, you would specify that, I guess, in your auto scale group. Um, what about Fargate, do you just say a number of um, vCPUs that kind of equals 10 for your task? Or how does that work? So with, with you're, you're telling it in your, your task definition of how, what your requirements are. This is how much CPU I need and this is how much memory I need. So you have to account for the full scale, like the full scaling of your task in that. Like, like fully loaded scale, not just like this is how much vCPU it takes per you know what I think of as a computer, but how much I completely need for my task or service, all the way like at full load. Like so, if I have a million users, I got to tell tell you how many VP, VCPUs that's going to be. Um, no, so remember you're going you're you'll be telling. Um, so when you run Fargate and you and you have it as an as an ECS service, I mean one of the things with an ECS service you're going to tell it is like how many tasks to run, uh-huh. right? So you're going to say like, oh, this is my minimum, this is my maximum. Oh, okay. Um, right. You can also tie in auto scaling to both, regardless of whether you're using EC2 okay. launch type or Fargate launch type. So, and again, we're, we'll get into this much deeper in, in, okay. in future. Okay. Yeah, I think you just whole... you just help help fix my problem. So it, it really is like. Just to run your your little process, your program, how much VCPU does that take? Not mm-hmm. not like fully loaded, you know, in yes. production. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I guess the, the place I got confused is when you threw in that um, task task in, is not equivalent to container, whereas I had always sort of thought of them as equivalent. Like that sort of threw me off. Yeah, and again, I mean for most people it's gonna be equivalent because mm-hmm. again, your task definition is only gonna have a single container. Mm-hmm. It's just if you've ever looked at, at a, in detail at a task definition file, um, you may have noticed that like there's two memory, and if you have a single contain, if you have a single container, then you'll see that there's two memory parameters and there's two CPU parameters. One's in the inner array for for the container itself, and then one's on the outer, and that's for the task. And so it's just for Fargate, it doesn't care about the inner on the. Con- I mean, the inner on the container, it will look at. Um, but it's required to have it on the outer container for the task, right? Because so that's how it's doing its scheduling, right? It's doing it at the task level. Yeah, I think we'll have to revisit that. And it just goes to show whenever there's something that's like a little like, hmm, that doesn't suit my mental model of how this all works. It's usually because, oh yeah, because it's way more complicated. Yes. So <laughs> here we go. Once again, that's way more complicated than my mental model was. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. I think so. Yes. So you know, we can say for next time, kind of walk, walk walking through like what it, you know how how you actually use Fargate in practice, and like what are some of the steps involved. I I actually as a as an exercise took my personal blog, which has been running on an EC2 launch type, and converted it to run on Fargate. Cool. And it was it was it was kind of a fun process, and and took a few hours. 
Um, and so kind of just run, we can kind of run through that process. Like just what does that entail? Like, what do you have to do? What are some of the gotchas? Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, thanks right. so much for this week. All right. Thanks, John. See you later. Bye. Nobody listens to podcast outros. Why are you still here? Oh, that's right. It's the outro song. Come talk to us at mobicast.fm or on Reddit at r slash mobicast. <laughs>